सहनावतो सहनोभनक्तो सहवीर्यंकरवावहै तेजस्विनावधीतमस्तुमा विद्विशावहै ओम शांतिशांतिशांति Let us read the first two verses. Jnanam nyeyam parijnata Jnanam nyeyam parijnata Trividha karma chodana Trividha karma chodana Karanam karma karte de Karanam karma karte de Trividha karma sangraha त्रिविधा कर्म संग्रह ज्ञानम कर्मच कर्ताचे ज्ञानम कर्मच कर्ताचे त्रिधैव गुण भेदता है त्रिधैव गुण भेदता है प्रोच्चते गुण संख्याने प्रोच्चते गुण संख्याने यथावच्छन्तान्यपि ज्ञानम कर्मच कर्ताचे ज्ञानम द नॉलेज कर्म द एक्शन कर्ता द एजेंट ऑफ एक्शन त्रिदायव गुणनिर्देश है दे आर आल्सो थ्री फोर अकॉर्डिंग टू द डिफरेंसेस इन गुणाज प्रोच्चते गुणसंख्याने दिस इज़ व्हाट इज़ सेड इन द गुणसंख्यानम इन द स्क्रिप्चर्स ऑफ द सांख्यास यथावत Listen to them as I, I tell you, according to scriptures and according to the reasoning. <coughs> Continuing our morning discussion about the gunas, let me add a few more things also in our morning discussion. <coughs> what we call the ego? Or the individual self. Is in fact made up of these two principles. and Prakriti. Translated as the person and the personality. So when I use the pronoun I, I refer to myself, which is what we call the ego, the individual self. But in fact, that I involves these two principles, the person and the personality, Purusha and Prakriti. The consciousness and the matter. Sometimes also use the word spirit and matter. So really, I am a combination of spirit and matter. What is this matter? As we saw in the morning, the personality consists of the body, sense organs, mind, intellect, so this personality consists of the body, sense organs, mind, intellect, this is what we call the personality, which is really made up of matter or made up of, as we saw in the morning, the three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. 
the body, organs of action, organs of perception, mind, intellect. Let us say this is what our personality consists of. This morning we say that the body is made of tamas. The organs of action and the prana. Made of rajas. In all in the perception, mind, intellect, all of this is made of sattva. Sattva, rajas and tamas. Of these three gunas, they call the gunas. Of these three gunas, our personality is made. Of which, from the tamas, our body, from the rajas, the organs of action and prana, from the sattva, the organs of perception, mind, intellect. As we say also that the predominant aspect or predominant quality of rajas is activity. The predominant aspect or attribute of sattva is knowledge. And predominant quality of tamas is inaction. So as you know, our organs of perception, mind, intellect, all of these are organs of knowledge. Our organs of action and the prana, the vital air, the faculty of action. And the body is of course that which houses all of this. So sattva, rajas and tamas. Of this, our personality is made. Also called prakriti or personality which is material. Also made of the five elements. So thus, you and I, all living beings are then a union of the spirit and matter. The consciousness and that which is matter. See, all of this is matter. Sattva, rajas, tamas. All of this is matter, of which you may say gross matter and subtle matter. So body is made of matter which is gross, which is perceptible, whereas other things like organs of action, perception, mind, intellect, all of these also are made of matter, what we may call subtle matter. Nevertheless, the mind, intellect, all of this also is matter, and matter by itself is insentient. But well, we can see our body is sentient, our organs are sentient, mind intellect is sentient. So there is something that in fact imparts sentience to this. So the insentient is made sentient as though, and that is because the person, the purusha, the consciousness. It is consciousness that imparts sentience to the personality. Therefore, our body, our mind, all of these are sentient. Take the case of a fan. By itself, the fan is motionless, inactive. But in the presence of electricity, how the fan gets energized or enlivened and starts rotating. So if you do not know that there is something called electricity, we may feel apparently that it's a fan that is rotating by itself. But then those who know, they know that the fan does not rotate on its own account. Fan is able to rotate on account of the presence of electricity. We also say, electricity does not rotate. Electricity does not make an effort really to rotate the fan. All the electricity is, is it is. In the presence of electricity, the fan, the motor gets energized and it starts rotating. And therefore, in that example of electricity and fan, electricity is merely there, its presence. And all the activities are in the fan. Here also, the consciousness of the spirit is just is. And in the presence of that, this personality, made up of all these different components, it gets analyzed, I mean, and, and level, and it performs actions. Therefore, it is said that all activity, all experiences, all of these are at the level of the personality. Whereas, at the level of the person, there is merely the presence. It's merely in the consciousness is, in the presence of consciousness, the presence of person, presence of self, you can call it, 
self and non-self. That's another way also of saying this. So this is very important to know. Not knowing that there are two constituents, we take ourselves to be just one. And therefore normally entertain this delusion that this body is a self. Because whatever appears sentient is taken to be the self. Because I know that I am a conscious being, that I know. And therefore whatever appears to be sentient or conscious is automatically taken to be the self. And the body appears to be conscious or sentient. The mind, intellect, all of them appear to be sentient and therefore they are naturally taken to be the self. And therefore this delusion obtains in my mind that the body is a self. I am the body. I am the mind. I am the intellect. This is called the identification. And thus I equate myself with this matter or the personality. As a result, all the limitations of personality are thought to be my limitations. All the activities take place at the level of personality and I conclude that I am doing the activities. All the experiences also take place at the level of personality. I conclude that I am the experiencer. And therefore, by lumping these two together, not knowing the distinction between them, I conclude that I am the doer and I am the enjoyer, I am the experiencer. So therefore, the sense of doership <coughs> called kartrutvam, this is how it arises. So doership, enjoyership, all of these really belongs to the personality. What is the self? What is I? So this is the true meaning of the pronoun I. What am I truly? Truly I am nothing but this purusa, person or the consciousness. That is what I am. And this personality is what is there for the manifestation of the person, for the manifestation of the consciousness, just as the sphere and the bulb are the vehicles for manifestation of electricity. So light can be there only when there is a union of the electricity and the filament in the bulb. Otherwise there cannot be light. Similarly, also life can be there when there is union of this person and the personality of Purusha and Prakriti. Then there can be life. And therefore, this matter of the Prakriti or the personality is the medium through which the Purusha, the consciousness expresses or manifests as life. Now, we should know the difference that the person, the Atma, the Self is, is different from this Prakriti, the Personality. It is necessary to know the distinction between the two so that we do not confuse them for one for the other. Right now, I am confusing the matter, the Personality for the Self and therefore all the limitations that belong to the Personality become my limitation, therefore I have this conclusion that I am a limited being. For if the body is subject to birth and death, and therefore taking the body to be myself, I, I conclude that I am subject to birth, I am subject to death, that I am mortal being. In the intellect, there is a limitation of knowledge, there is ignorance, and on account of taking the intellect as I, I conclude that I am an ignorant being. The capacities of the mind are limited, capacities of the body are limited, the capacity of prakriti personality is limited, and therefore I take myself to be a limited being. What happens is there are many personalities. Now, what is it that explains the variety in this universe? That this personality, which is a product of the three gunas, sattva, rajas, and tamas, 
So different combinations of these three gunas will bring about different personalities. That is the reason somewhere sattva is a little more, somewhere rajas is a little more, somewhere tamas is a little more. So we find some person a little more contemplative or more tranquil than the other. We find another person more active or agitated than the other. We find that another person a little more dull or, or, or lethargic or lazy as compared to others. So thus we find everybody is all the three. But that is the, the difference in the combination of the three. And that explains the difference in the personalities. So then what is it that distinguishes you from me? That you have one kind of personality, I have another kind of personality. But how about the person? The person that is reflect, manifesting in that personality and the person manifesting in this personality, are the persons little different? The answer is no, the person is one. Just as the bulbs can be many, the fans can be many and have a lot of variety. So that is the personality of the bulbs and fans is different, but the electricity manifesting through them is one. So this is what Vedanta tells us, that the person, the self, the consciousness is one, non-dual and therefore free from every limitation. This self manifests through a personality that is limited. The limitless manifesting through the limited. Electricity may be 66,000 volts, 132,000 volts where it is generated or where it is transmitted. It manifests through a little bulb of 15 watts or 25 watts. What is limited is the manifestation is limited. But what is manifesting is great. Similarly also, what is limited here is the, the life is limited. The expression through the personality is limited. But then what manifests, namely the person, is limitless. This limitless manifesting through the limited. So if you understand this difference, the limitations obtained at the level of the personality and the vehicle, limitations obtained the vehicle where the, mani- the consciousness manifests but the one that manifests, namely the person, is ever limitless. And therefore, I am limitless in spite of limitations in the body, in spite of limitations in sense organs, in spite of limitations in mind, in spite of limitations in intellect, those limitations do not limit me. They create an appearance of limitation, but they do not limit me. And so we say that the doership, the, the agency of being, agency of enjoying, all of this belongs to the personality, the prakriti. And the self is actionless. Meaning, free from any activity, free from participation. It is as we said, in the presence of self, that all activities and everything takes place. What does the actionless mean? So does it mean that I don't do anything at all? Actionless means we can understand that as the freedom from the need to do anything. Understand that whenever an action is performed, it is performed out of a certain need. When I do something, <coughs> there is something that prompts me to do it. Therefore, action generally is an indication of an inner need. Because I am not satisfied with the way thing is, and therefore there is a need to bring about a change so that I become satisfied. And therefore, an action which brings about a change represents the fact that there is a need for change and that as the things are, they are not satisfactory and if some change or transformation is brought about, then they will become satisfactory. So what does action represent? Action represents a need, a lag, an inadequacy. So we can say that action then can be equated to inadequacy. Or a lack or a need. 
So when you say it, Atma, the self is actionless, which means that it is free from any lack, free from any need, free from any inadequacy. And therefore, there is complete tranquility here. Sometimes it is compared to the ocean, the waveless ocean. Generally in ocean there are always waves and waves represent activity, represent some restlessness. But imagine a waveless ocean. Ocean is infinite and waveless ocean, that means an ocean of tranquility and infinity. So that is what the I, the self is, that is wholeness. Or as you say, a complete tranquility, a wholeness or fullness, and therefore a total freedom from any need. And therefore, a total freedom from the need to do anything. And so, we also know very well that in presence of certain that see the per, certain persons are have their presence which is much which creates a much greater impact than presence of other people. We also know that some people have a kind of impact that in their very presence things just happen. Sometimes we also feel like doing things for somebody without in fact somebody telling us to do but the very presence thing take place. So imagine the self has the very presence of which the impact is such that without any notion on the part of the self things automatically take place. We give the example of Lord Krishna in the morning. We said how? In the very presence of Lord Krishna. How all the living creatures in that area in Vrindavan all of them they get enlivened, all of them get enthused, all of them get transfixed. And thus, self is of the nature of presence, that limitlessness, wholeness. And therefore, that is equated to actionlessness. Actionlessness is <coughs> the freedom from need to perform action. Actionlessness should not be understood merely as something inactive, something inert. On the other hand, it is something living, at the same time, totally free from the need to perform any action. Therefore, it also represents freedom. Now, this is an opt obtaining fact about the self, about myself, about everyone. And we have to recognize this fact and own up this fact. This is what we learn the teachers. That do not judge yourself by the attributes or the qualities of the personality, <coughs> which is what I am doing right now. Right now I am equating myself to the personality, judging myself from the standpoint of personality, and therefore judging myself as a limited being. And when I judge myself as a limited or inadequate being, there is a definitely an urge to become free from that limitation. That's how the action originates. This action originates from an urge which arises from a sense of limitation, sense of inadequacy. Vedanta tells us that you are inherently not inadequate, you are not incomplete, inherently there is no lack in you, you are as you are, a whole complete being. You mean, as I am, as I am. Not that level of body, somewhere some change must be brought about in order to become incomplete and become complete that I am, as I am, a complete being. <coughs> this is the teaching of Vedanta and recognition of this fact. What happens is, this recognition becomes somewhat difficult on account of this personality. which is made up of these three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. In rajas there is agitation, there is activity. 
en Tomás Dales Galdas. In Sattva, there is tranquility. So what we have to do is, say something to be done. What is to be done is, that we have to slowly transform our personality into a sattvic personality. We have to become one in whom the sattva predominates. The rajas and tamas would be there in some measure. But rajas and tamas may be there in such a measure that they do not in any way control anything, impact anything. And is sattva, that is a predominant guna of predominant quality in my personality. This is what we have to do. This is what we call the sadhana. This is the sadhana or this is the spiritual pursuit. And that is what Bhagavad Gita teaches us. How most of people who generally come to listen to Bhagavad Gita are predominant in rajas. Because people having tamas or the dullness will not have, I guess, a motivation or, 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 or the desire to listen to Bhagavad Gita also. They don't even have a desire to, to, to grow, a desire to uh, evolve. People having rest have a desire to become bigger than what they are, to evolve, to grow. And therefore, of course, tamas also is addressed. With a tamas, there is dullness. Person doesn't want to do anything. There is no motivation. And so, the tamas has to be transformed to rajas by commanding him, or by asking him, by enjoining him, that you have to perform your duty. If you don't do this, you are subject to punishment. Sort of a little thread is given there. And that's how a person who is predominantly dull in nature or lazy or lethargic is whipped up somewhat by also offering temptations to him. But look, if you do this, you'll get heavens. If you do the action, you'll get this pleasure. And that's how temptations are given to him on one hand. Threat also is given to him that if you fail to perform your duty, then these are the consequences, painful consequences. And that's how he is whipped into performance of action. And that's how, through activity, the tamas is slowly transformed to rajas. And when rajas is there, we want to slowly transform into sattva. And that is where Bhagavad Gita comes in. Because a person with predominance and rajas, as you say in the morning, there is a lot of selfishness there, there is a lot of, because there is, is a very keen sense of inadequacy and therefore there is selfishness, there is greed, this discontentment with oneself and therefore he keeps on performing a lot of activities motivated by his greed, motivated by his sense of discontent, uncontentment and then he slowly advised that may you perform your activities in a spirit of selflessness. So from inactivity we come to selfishness or selfish activity and from that we come to what we call the selfless activity. From tamas to the rajas to the sattva. Of course the person in the purusha is even beyond sattva. However to recognize my true nature I require a mind that enjoys sattva. Because we said, when the mind is sattvic, it is tranquil. It experiences that cheerfulness or happiness with its own nature. And when the mind experiences happiness by itself, then when it is told that you are the happiness, it becomes easy to understand. Because otherwise when I am sad, or I am agitated and I am told that you are complete and you are ananda, you are happiness, it just doesn't make sense to me. And therefore, that wholeness should become a matter of my experience. And that happens in sattva. When my mind becomes predominantly sattvic, then the wholeness which is my nature, <coughs> which is the nature of the person, that becomes a matter of my own experience. And then I am told that, look, wholeness is what you are. That's when the teaching becomes effective. And so, in order that the teaching of the Upanishads or Vedanta becomes meaningful to me, it becomes necessary that my mind should become predominantly sattvic. Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita, in many places, the 14th chapter, the 17th chapter, 
And now in the 18th chapter, Lord Krishna uses the different categories. What is Jnanam? Gnayam. Jnanam karma cha karta cha. Lord Krishna said, look, the knowledge, the action, the doer of action, all of these can be classified into three categories, tamas, rajas and sattva. So what's the nature of knowledge that originates from tamas? What's the nature of knowledge that originates from rajas? What's the nature of knowledge that originates from sattva? What's the nature of action that originates from tamas and rajas and sattva? How is this person, the performer of action, how is he when his mind is in, in predominance of tamas, when his mind is predominance of rajas, mind is predominance of sattva? When we understand this, the purpose of describing rajas and tamas is so that we can slowly get rid of that. And the purpose of describing sattva is that we can deliberately cultivate that. So that we, we recognize our own personality. We become aware of our own personality and recognize where tamas is, where rajas is. We identify those things and deliberately try to convert it into sattva. That becomes our sadhana. That becomes the, 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 the pursuit of self-growth. So we would call this the self-growth when there is transformation from tamas to rajas and rajas to sattva. This is a process of growth, call it process of emotional maturity. And there is something that we have to carry out ourselves. And for that we get this directions or guidelines from the scripture. So now Lord Krishna will describe the 19th verse told us. Jnanam karma chakartacha tridhaiva guna bhedadaha. Here Juna this jnanam the knowledge, karma the actions, karta the doer, guna bhedataha. There are threefold with reference to the differences in gunas or the sattvarajastamas and that is what now he is going to explain. So keep this picture in mind while and we now try to analyze what's the nature of threefold knowledge, threefold action, threefold performer of action. So let us go to the next verse, the 20th verse. Sarvabhūteshu ye naikam Sarvabhūteshu ye naikam Bhāvam avyaya mīkṣate Bhāvam avyaya mīkṣate Avibhaktam vibhakteshu Avibhaktam vibhakteshu Tadjñānam vidhisātvikam Tadjñānam vidhisātvikam Tadjnanam buddhi sattvikam buddhi mevno tadjnanam that knowledge sattvikam born of sattva. So word sattvika is derived from word sattva. Sattvika means that which is born of sattva. So when the mind enjoys these what we call the sattvik mode, when the mind is free from the impurities of rajas and tamas, so rajas and tamas also are called impurities. So when those impurities are removed, to the extent that they are removed, the mind becomes pure. So we can say that this is also the, the process of purification of the mind or process of self-purification. So you can call it self-purification, you can call it self-growth, you can call it emotional maturity, you, different names can be given. But what it is, is a, a, a conscientious effort to make our mind predominant in sattva. So when the mind is sattvic, the sattva is pure. When mind is pure, also it is objective. It sees the things as it is. When the mind is influence of rajas, it distorts. So rajas also is compared. Rajas means dust also, by the way. Rajas means dust also. So our mind can be compared to a pool of water. Let us say there is a pond of water. If in this water there is dirt or impurity and the surface of the water also is weary, is, is you know, dist disturbed, then we cannot see the bottom of that lake clearly at all. Perhaps if there is too much of impurity, we cannot see the bottom at all. 
And if you remove that impurity, and the surface of the water also becomes free from the disturbance, then that pool of water becomes a transparent pool of water. In your own swimming pool also you can see, when there is no dirt or impurity in the water, and the surface of water also is calm, then that water becomes transparent. We can see through, and whatever is at the bottom becomes very clearly perceptible, visible. So, this rages in tamas, so tamas is compared to that impurity or the dirt. Rages is compared to those that disturbances on the surface of the water. So just as water is free from impurity tamas and the disturbance rages, how it becomes transparent, how it becomes placid, similarly also from our mind when this tamas, the darkness or dullness goes away and rages, the agitation goes away, the mind becomes tranquil, transparent. And then what happens? We can see through it. So just as when the water is pure and transparent, and we can see the bottom very clearly, similarly also, what is it at the bottom of the mind? That person. So when the personality becomes sattvic or transparent, then the person, you can imagine, which is a very supportable personality, becomes very clear. And therefore the person, itself with the nature of wholeness, fullness or ananda, that ananda also becomes evident. To the extent that the mind becomes sattvic, to that extent the wholeness or fullness which is my nature becomes clear. That's the reason why you find yourself being cheerful, you find yourself happy without any reason at all when the mind is sattvic. And when that water becomes transparent, how you can see things clearly? Similarly also, when the mind becomes transparent, you can see things clearly, you can see things as they are. It is that mind which has the capacity to distinguish between the person and the personality. So that mind can see the personality as personality and person as person. The matter as matter, the spirit as spirit. And that mind can see that hey, all these personalities are made of three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas and that the consciousness manifesting through them is one alone. So when can I see this fact? Normally, all I can see, of course what my eyes are going to see is nearly what is, you know, is merely what is evident, namely the body. But the person, the self is seen in the mind's eye. I can see that the consciousness that is there, consciousness that is there, consciousness that is in all the living beings, not only in the human beings. These personalities are not only human beings. Mosquito also is a personality. Animals are also personalities. Trees are also personalities. So what it is that distinguishes me from the rest of them? The personalities. Even the consciousness obtaining the mosquito is the same consciousness obtaining in me. So person is one in all the living creatures. Today, the next one will tell us, you know, Rajasam Jnanam. But here is a sattvic person, a person enjoying a sattvic state of mind. He can clearly see the consciousness as one. His mind can distinguish between the person and the personality, the spirit and matter. And he sees this body-mind complex is personality and the consciousness manifesting through that is one alone. Sarva Bhuteshu, in all the beings, beginning from the greatest one, that is called Brahma, the creator, all the way up to the smallest creature, in all the beings. And the same, the personality is always limited. It is always changing. Subject to creation, sustenance, dissolution, subject to birth and death. So all the changes are there in the personality. In all of them, Sarabhuteshu ekam avyam bhavamikshade One sees ekam, the one, avyam, the changeless, bhavam, the person, the self. So one who sees the one, non-dual, changeless self in all these personalities which are limited and changing, avibhaktam vibhakteshu, every personality is different. And that's how the creation is. No two things are identical. 
No two personalities are identical. I don't know what will happen when they're cloning and things like that, you know, perhaps there is an attempt to make some two identical things. But I do not know about the mind, you know, whether the two sheep or the two human beings that are cloned, they may have the same kind of body or organism. But whether the minds are also identical, I do not know. I don't care anyway. Vedanta doesn't, it doesn't care. Because personality, even if they are similar, at the moment, no two things are identical. No two things are identical. Everything is unique. That's a beauty also. But this uniqueness, these differences, this variety that we find in the universe, we can really enjoy it when we also understand the oneness obtaining in them. The variety in all the ornaments can be enjoyed when we know that the gold is the common element in all the ornaments. And then the ornaments are separate from each other from one standpoint, but in fact they are one also from another standpoint. And similarly also, all the beings are different from each other at one level, meaning the level of personality. But from the standpoint of person, the self, the atma, the consciousness, there, they are all one. Not they are one, in fact, they are all I. And therefore, the one who sees his own self in all the personalities. Like, there will be 500 mirrors in front of me. Each mirror may have a different characteristic. It may be all concave and convex mirrors and all different kinds of mirrors. And every mirror, perhaps my reflection may be different. And therefore, every reflection is different from every other reflection. What's the reason why the reflections are different? Because the mirrors have different characteristics. The mirrors have personalities. They're all different. Therefore, the reflections appear to be different. When I see all those fine reflections, I still see one thing common in them. What is that? I see I in all of them. Even though in a concave mirror I may look like this and I may look fat and, and chubby, in a convex mirror I may look just tall and lean. Funny, in Ahmedabad where I come from, there is a uh, little amusement park for children. And there is one section where there are all different kinds of mirrors. You stand in front of the mirror and see your reflection and enjoy it. In one mirror, you appear so fat, as I said, so chubby. Other mirror, you just look tall and like a little stick, like a stick. Every mirror is different. And, it, you know, anybody goes there, he will laugh definitely. Laugh at what? Laugh at his own reflection. Thank God that there is a Viveka discrimination there, that reflection I am not. Suppose that is not there. If I think that what appears in there is what I am, I see myself so fat and chubby, right away I will come home and start home and start dieting, you know, I will starve myself because I have become so fat. But everyone knows there, I don't know how much children enjoy this. But the elders enjoy it much more than children because I guess they understand this mechanism better. And thus, even though every reflection is different, I still recognize myself, oneself in all of them. Who is the self of all those reflections? I, the image, is the self of all those reflections, is not? It is I that is reflecting and reflected in that, manifesting in them. What is it that makes one reflection different from the other? Well, it is the characteristic of a mirror that creates an appearance of difference. And even when they all appear different, in fact, they are all one only. This is what a wise person says. This is a knowledge of the wise person. Avibhaktam bhakteshu, that all the beings, in fact, are different. Each one is unique. Each one is different. And still, in all the differences, in all the divisions, he sees the undivided, non-different. In all the changing, he sees the changeless. In all the perishable, he sees the imperishable. In many, he sees the one. Tadjnanam vidhisatvikam hirjuna, know that knowledge to be born of sattva. This is the knowledge 
that Upanishads or Vedanta in fact reveal and this is knowledge that we have to gain and therefore when can that knowledge be gained when the mind becomes purely sattvic that's the reason why we have to recognize yes and tamas in our own personality and very deliberately try to remove them what happens when the mind is predominant in Vedas? The next verse tells us what the perception is when the mind is predominant in Vedas. It is in the next page, opposite page. Nana Bhavan Prasagvidhan Nana Bhavan Prasagvidhan Vetti Sarveshu Bhuteshu Vetti Sarveshu Bhuteshu Tadnyanam Vidhirajasam Tadnyanam Vidhirajasam Two on the other hand Yadnyanam, that knowledge by which one sees Prasatvena, Nana Bhavan, Prasadvihan. One sees the differences, which are there, of course, but that's how far one's perception goes. Whether am I able to penetrate the differences and see the non-difference? That is sattva. So sattvic mind is the one who is able to penetrate the apparent differences and is able to spot the non-different. But the mind under influence of rajas cannot penetrate this meaning that it only looks upon what is perceived as real and therefore what we perceive through our sense organs are all the differences prusaktvena sthitaan so prusaktvena sthiteshu sarabhuteshu all the beings are in fact that are obtained as different from each other what does he say? he says nana bhavan he says many self his conclusion is that that each one each personality has a different person, has a different self, and that each self is different from every other self. Prasadvihan, each self is different. So, nana bhavan, meaning that the self in all each being is different. Prasadvihan, and that each one differs from the other. Somebody is happy, one self is happy, other self is unhappy, one is good, other is bad, and therefore he thinks that all goodness, badness, happiness, unhappiness, doership, enjoyership, all of these in fact are the attributes of the self. Meaning in this mind, there is no distinction between the person and the personality, the whole thing is taken to be one. The personality is taken to the person, the non-self is taken to be the self. And therefore, all the differences obtaining at the level of the personality, at the level of the body-mind complex are in fact taken to be the differences in the person. Like, you know, sometimes in the weddings there are all these lights, you know, the light bulbs are there, little ones, some are green and some are red and some are yellow, you know, this lighting is there. So somebody may feel that the electricity is red, electricity is yellow, electricity is green. One who doesn't know that in fact when I see a light bulb, there is a union of two factors, this bulb and the electricity. But it takes them to one. Like the crystal, for example. So, when someone sees the crystal, when there is a pink flower in front of the crystal, then the crystal appears to be pink. And when there is an orange cloth, the crystal may appear to be orange. When there is something, uh, you know, of a different color, I mean, crystal may appear to be a different color. So, there is one who understands that these colors appear in the crystal, they do not belong to crystal, they belong to something else. And therefore, even when the crystals appear to be different colors, he knows that the crystal by itself is pure, colorless, because he will distinguish in his mind between what is crystal and what is non-crystal. That this color is non-crystal, 
and the crystal, even while appearing to be color, is in fact colorless and pure. This is distinction. That is sattva. When sattva is there, this viveka, the discrimination is there. When rajas is there, the viveka is not there. So this fellow, having rajogun, when he sees the pink crystal, he thinks that this is pink, pink crystal. And then he says, this is orange crystal. And this is black crystal, whatever. And thus, he concludes that every crystal is different from every other crystal. That's all. The crystal, even when it appears to be red or orange, doesn't become orange. You understand? This is very important. Even when the crystal appears to be orange, it doesn't become orange. It just appears to be orange. So orange is a personality. The crystal is compared to the person. The orange color is what? The personality. The pink color is what? The personality. The red color is personality. Brown color is personality. Where is the difference? Difference is in personality. But the orange, the crystal, the person is the same in all of them. And this is what you would recognize. If this is recognized, if you recognize the one in the many, we recognize that in spite of differences obtaining in the personalities, that in fact each one of us is one, one self. Can there be any conflict? Can there be any division? Can there be any competition? Can there be any conflict in the world? This knowledge will bring to an end all the divisions, all the conflicts, all the problems can be solved. Every problem can be solved when this knowledge is there. Is it not so? I am white, I am black, I am American, I am Indian, I am Hindu, I am Muslim, I am man, I am woman, I am old, I am young. Everything creates division. I speak English, I speak French, so language also creates difference. The race also creates difference. The religion also creates difference. The nationality also creates difference. The color of skin also creates difference. Everything creates difference. And differences become the issue. We make these apparent differences issues and then fight with each other. Try to control others, try to dominate others, try to exploit others, try to assert upon other people. All of this fighting, controlling, assertion, all of this is when? How? Why? Is it, that is because we take each one of us as inherently different from each other, whereas the differences are incidental. Just the crystal appearing of different color, that's an incidental difference. Inherently, crystal is ever one, ever pure. And so also if you recognize that the difference obtaining among all of us are only incidental. Like one gold appearing in many forms which you call ornament. And the names are different, the forms are different, the use is different. One is called a bangle, which has one name, one form and one use. Other is called the earring, which has different name, form and the use. A third can be a necklace, which has a different use and so forth. So even the name and the form and use, they are all different and still they are one. If that is not known, then the bangle will compete with a necklace. And think that the necklace has a superior place, the poor bangle has an inferior place. Whatever. And the necklace may feel that the bangle is luckier than I. Whatever it is. So all these fighting, all this competition, and it can never go as long as a duality is taken to be real. It always remains. The only way to overcome the duality, the differences, the, the impact created by disparity is by knowing that in all the divisions, in all that is, that is dissimilar, in fact, there is oneness, there is similar, there is unity. The unity in diversity, the oneness in many, the limitless in limited, the undivided in apparent divisions, the limitless in limited. When this is known as my own self, and that's the self of all, then there's complete tranquility because the mind becomes totally free from any need to, to assert, any need to fight, any need to do anything, to bring about any change. That's how one gains a complete or total tranquility. The solution for all 
freedom from stress, from freedom from all conflicts, freedom from every problem that is there in the world is there in this knowledge. But Swami, how will this knowledge will remove starvation? How will it remove poverty? How will it remove in, uh, illiteracy? It will remove. Because right now, since I think that I am different from you, therefore, whatever belongs to me is mine, and then, you know, and therefore I don't give it to you. I, I hold on to it. But when this is not so, then the, all, the, all the resources of the earth will become available to all the beings of the earth. Then suppose all the resources of the earth are really divided, just really divided among all the living beings, there will be no starvation. And all the resources and technology available to everybody are away, made available to the rest of the world. There will be no poverty, there will be no illiteracy, it will all go away. Understand that all these problems of poverty, starvation, illiteracy, all of these are created by human beings on account of ignorance, on account of non-discrimination, on account of taking the apparent duality, the personality as really different, or a person being different. And that's how when the dual division is there, there is going to be assertion, competition, control. So understand that Vedanta presents solution to every problem in the world, every problem, this knowledge. And that is how Vedanta says that every problem in the creation is out of ignorance and that every problem can be solved by knowledge. And it can be solved only by knowledge. We can get a relief from the problem by certain good attitudes and values, yes. The attitude of compassion and sharing and charity, all of these will definitely uh, minimize the impact of the problem, but the problem can be finally solved only when this knowledge is there. But anyway, when the rest of the world bothers about it or not, we definitely know that to the extent that we have this knowledge, to that extent, our mind becomes free from the conflict and we can enjoy the tranquility then. But Swami, this looks like all self-centered thing, you know. This becomes only your knowledge, what about other people? But one good person, they say that, one good person is that much less problem to the world anyway. But anyway also, a person like that just becomes blessing by his very presence. And so, thus, this is the sattvic the knowledge or the perception based on rajas is giving reality to what appears on the surface. And not ever inquiring as to whether the differences appearing at the surface of the perceptual level are there the real differences. Even the scientists also tell us today that all the differences of appearing in a matter really, all of them, this, this matter ultimately originates from energy. Everything is energy. And what is matter is nothing but the wave of energy and therefore the difference appearing in matter, all of them resolve when you look upon them as energy. Then what you talk of all difference resolving when you look upon everything as consciousness. Everything is nothing but consciousness or the self or the person or the whole or limitless. Puna madaha, puna vidam. This self is complete and this world also is complete. I am complete and you are complete. Purnameva avashishyade. When the apurnata, the incompleteness born of ignorance goes away, Purnameva avashishyade, all that remains is nothing but wholeness or completeness. This is the vision of Vedanta. However, this jnanam, the knowledge of perception, that is born of rajas, takes what appears to be to the eyes as the ultimate truth, and therefore these people conclude that there are as many atmas, as many persons, the self, as many living beings, as many personalities are there. And therefore, the differences obtaining the personality are taken to be the differences of the self. And therefore, the self of woman is different, self of man is different, self of mosquito is different, self of human being is different, every self is different. <coughs> Having different attributes, different qualities. But jnanam, vidhirajasam, in fact, there are philosophies, like in our, in, in Vedic culture itself, there are what we call the Nayayikas, all of them. They say that the Atma is different in all the living beings, 
and so differences are there. The self is different, person is different, personality is different. Atma is different, anatma is different, and God is different. <coughs> then one personality is different from other personality. The jiva is different from other jiva. The jiva is different from jagat, the creation. Jagat is different from Ishvara, the Lord. And jiva is also different from Ishvara. Jagat also different from Ishvara. One jiva different from other jiva. One name and form different, other name and form. All kinds of differences are there in this perception born of rajas. And therefore, you see, ultimately understand that whatever we do is all based on our perception. What is most important is, what am I? I am as good as what my perception is. If my perception is one of non-duality, that's what I am. If my perception is one of duality, well, that's what I am. Therefore, we say that Vedanta, in fact, seeks to change that very perception. And then everything else will automatically change. <coughs> and how is the knowledge born of Tamas? The verse 22 says that, Yatta Krasnavadekasmin, Yatta Krasnavadekasmin, Karye Saktamahaitukam, Karye Saktamahaitukam, Atatvarthavadalpancha, Atatvarthavadalpancha, Tattamasamudahritam, Tattamasamudahritam. This knowledge born of tamas is even more infer is inferior to this. Where somebody says that this body alone is a self. <coughs> Further, at least the rajas fellow knows that anyway self are all different. But this fellow who has the mind which is tamas, he says this sharvakas, the materialists say that this body is a self. And their concept of God is what? Somebody says, well, this image is God. So they confine self also to just one body, or they confine God also to just one personality. Ekasmin kare ahedukam saktam. Ekasmin kare. Just in one object. That one object or one thing is taken to be God. This is God, that's all, you know. One image is God. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. Or the body alone is the self. The self is only of the size of the body, of the nature of the body. Ahaitukam. And there is no hetu. This is irrational. And so this, this, this conclusion or perception which is not based on reasoning. If one body is atma, other body also should be atma, you know, but then no, one alone is atma. If one form is God, other form also can be God, but now this form alone is God. And therefore, this kind of very rigid and narrow-minded conclusions that they have, which are not based on reasoning or rationality, irrational, atattvarthavat, and therefore it is without truth, alpamcha, and therefore it is very limited. But the concept of God also becomes very limited, when concept of self also becomes very limited. And which is without the truth, which is without the reason, but just because of some fanaticism or because of some uh, some insistence, just hold on to this idea. Our God alone is a God, your God is not. This is the God, you know. So what this religion says is the real God, other fellows do not know what it is. This form alone is God, other forms are not God. This alone is a self, other things are not self. <coughs> if the body is a self, every body should be self. And the body is made of five elements, all five elements should be self. Everything made of five elements should be self. It is that much, some reasoning must be there, no such reason. And therefore, their minds are very, very, you know, they are narrow-minded people. They become very fanatic, very assertive. Tattamasamdhanavadam, this fanaticism is when the tamas is there. Because person cannot think at all. There is no reasoning. It is just taken for granted. <coughs> Tattamasamdhanavadam, this kind of knowledge is called 
knowledge born of tamas and thus we find this dif- people different people in the world having different perceptions about god different perceptions about the self and doesn't matter what the perception is but the mind is open then at least we are willing to learn what someone else has to say and maybe if you find that to be making more sense then we are willing to change but these people are not available for reasoning so their conclusion is based on without reasoning and no reasoning can ever shake them up and therefore they will hold on to those conclusions <coughs> so therefore this perception of conclusions based on rajas what that conclusion is what's the nature of conclusion based on tamas when we find those conclusions arising in our own mind lord krishna says be be alert and try to so be alert and be vigilant and try to resolve them and displace it by the conclusion that must be satvik when oh my mind comes up with the thought with that person is different i am different remind myself wait a minute the personality is different the person is not different the self that is there is self that i am and that's what counts that is what important that's what is important the personality is merely a medium for manifestation of self and therefore it should not what should be important the spirit is important the matter is subservient for rajas the matter becomes important spirit becomes subservient for sattva the spirit is important the matter is subservient <coughs> this is how it should happen in our life the spirit is important and the matter must be subservient when there is a conflict between the spirit and matter spiritual values and material values which should be given importance the spiritual value and that one should be willing to to let go the material values and material gains we'll discuss that but this is how this knowledge this is how this analysis helps us in our day to realize to how we arrive we rise from the level of tamas to the level of rajas from the level of rajas to the level of sattva <coughs> पूर्णमद पूर्णमदूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्ण से पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य शाशाशाचार्यशवरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतनपुनो गुरुरात्मे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमद्यादेहाय दक्षिणमूर्त नम ओ शाशाशाशा हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओम